Well, good morning. How are you guys doing today? Good? All right. Well, it's been a powerful morning so far. Hopefully I won't screw it up. No. <laughs> no, it's so good to be with you this morning. Um, Paris talked about the Influence Lunch. You know, if you don't know what that means, is if you volunteered at all here and blessed the house, we want you to, we want to bless you with a lunch. So come after service um, and come over in the gym. After service, we're going to have lunch and have some fun together. So you guys are invited to that. Another great thing we're going to do this morning is we get to launch Phyllis Miller's first book. So Phyllis, why don't you come on up? Phyllis is amazing. Her and Dave lead our ministry team and our, um, oh my goodness, it just went, the wellness team. Uh, and they do just, that's just a little bit of what they do around here. But more importantly, they're just amazing people and we love them and we're so proud of you. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about your book and what, how powerful it is. Well, first, good morning, church family. And I also want to say good morning to my friends in Fiji and Australia, Bula, and the book is done, finally. (laughs) Okay, I do have some notes, just in case. So I've been working on this book for a little while, and the main reason I wrote it is because I had people asking me constantly, when are you going to write the book? And so I finally got around to it. I did start about four years ago, but something happened a couple years ago, and I was at home a lot, and I, <laughs> I started doing the writing and, and had help with the editing, and finally it, it's done. But um, it's so important to me to get this message out there about dream interpretation because we all agree that God speaks through prophecy. And one of the revelatory gifts is also dream interpretation. So that we have prophecy, we have visions, we have dreams, and God is speaking. He's speaking. He's got you all night long. All night long. I mean, just imagine, he created you so that you would dream, I mean, you would sleep, and then you would dream all night long, just in case... He looked down through the ages and saw that we were going to have cell phones and computers and televisions, you know, books, friends, and that we would be distracted. So I know that it is so important for him, and not just that, I feel like he is speaking more in the... I've been doing this for 20 years. Let me go back. My husband said, they might think you don't know nothing about what you're doing, so just, you know, tell them where you learn this stuff. And so... I think it got louder, so maybe I wasn't speaking loud enough before. I don't know. Anyway, I, I started um, going after this like 20 years ago when I met John Paul Jackson here at this church. And he spoke a word over me, and after that I was like, yes, <laughs> it spoke to my spirit. And so I've been learning, and, and um, I learned under Strims Ministries, and then I, I interpreted hundreds of dreams on their website and then started uh, Dreamweavers here. Are there any Dreamweavers here today? I know a lot of them moved away, but... And then what about the Dream Team? Would you guys stand up? 
We've also had some of them move away, so we're seeking to grow it. But there's more than that. But thank you. Would you just thank them? Because they're the ones, that the Mission Dream Team, that line up over there when it's their turn, and they just love to interpret your dreams for you. We know how passionate we are when we have a dream. It hangs in there, and we just have to know what it means. So anyway, I had all of that training, and then I started training. I became the trainer. The trained becomes the trainer. And let me just peek at my notes, okay? So this, this book was um, designed to give you some tools. We know that God is the interpreter of dreams. Joseph told us that when he was talking about Pharaoh's dreams. He said, well, God's the, or no, it was actually the baker and the cupbearer. He said, God's the interpreter of dreams. Let me interpret your dream. But one of the things that I learned from um, John Paul Jackson was he was in, in England with a group of students, and a vicar said, hey, I've had a dream, and I, I need someone to interpret. Do you know anyone? And they said, yeah, let us go get John Paul Jackson, and they brought him out. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that name, but he's like the father of dream interpretation for the church age. Um, and so he came, and, and the vicar told him the dream, and he interpreted it. And he said, how did you know that? The vicar said that. And he said, well, God. He goes, no, I mean, how did you know that? And he said, God. He goes, no, I mean, how do you know that? And then John, it hit John Paul. Wow, people need more than just it's from God. They need some tools. And so he asked the Holy Spirit to, to help him just lay down some basic tools. I like to explain it as you have a puzzle, and you can work on the outsides, but God's going to give you the whole middle. He's going to fill it in and give you the meaning. But you can start with a few things like, what was the setting of your dream? It goes a long way. Where was I at work? So I have, I have a friend that had a dream that, and don't worry, I'm not taking liberty. He gave me liberty. <laughs> so I have, a, I have a friend that had a dream that he went into a room, and in the room he saw six pieces of dynamite tied together and the wick tied together. And he walked over, or he noticed that it had been lit on fire. The end was lit. So he ran over there and stepped on it and, and put it out as soon as he could, dream over. So I don't know if it was the next day or the following week, but he went to work. And his supervisor said, I want you to come to this meeting. Uh, it was a meeting of supervisors. And he said, I don't want to go because I'm not a supervisor. She goes, no, I really want you to go. And he's like, they're not going to want me there. I want you to go. So he went to the meeting. And when, when he got in there, the lead supervisor was speaking about some issue that was going on in this company, which, by the way, is a company that impacts all of us. And it was going really negative, really downhill. And he's thinking, man, if... And everybody was jumping on, on board with this guy. And he's thinking, if they go this way, this is going to have a really negative impact. This could be explosive. And then he remembered his dream. And, and did I mention there were six supervisors in the room? <laughs> and so he spoke, he said, my, you know, I know I'm not a supervisor, but can I 
say something? And the lead guy said yes. And he, he had all this wisdom that God had given him for this company already. And he spoke what, what he felt like God was saying. And he was thanked afterwards <laughs> by that lead supervisor and the other supervisors. And it went in a positive direction. So um, I really do believe in, in these tools. And that's the main reason I wrote the book. Because I, I want to help you and other people interpret your dreams for yourself. I mean, we, none of us want to go try to follow you know, follow someone and tag them down and, hey, will you interpret this for me? Um, of course, we do that all the time. You know, everywhere we go, Dave and I, where he, we hear people talking about their dreams. We've been in restaurants. We were sitting in our car eating lunch during COVID once and heard two ladies walk by talking about their dreams. I mean, it's just, I hear it everywhere, and I know you do too. And even on, I sometimes watch Christian television, they're all talking about their dreams, all of these people. God is giving us dreams. We live in times right now where things are rapidly changing. And we know God has a plan, but we don't all know what it is yet. But in your dreams, God wants to guide us and direct us in particular directions regarding our money, our jobs, how we pray for our politicians, everything that it is going on right now because we're supposed to stay in peace. And we can stay in peace. And he also, what I love about God and dreams is we talk a lot about our heart dreams, but our night dreams can lead us to the answers to our heart dreams. Because he reveals your giftings in your dreams. You see yourself doing something, you're like praying for this person and demons come out of them and you've never done that before. What is God saying to you? You got that. You got that in you to do that. And so he, te- he teaches us what our giftings are, um, he, what our calling is, what our next assignment is. He's, he's guiding and directing. He's encouraging and giving hope. Um, there are so many different messages that God gives. He just gives them all. He even warns us of things, things and people. Um, he's there. And I just... I really want people to wake up, (laughs) wake up while you're asleep, because he is speaking. And I just for a minute want to lay a little bit of a biblical foundation for this. If you go back into Genesis, God spoke to Abraham about prophecy first and gave prophetic words. And then he spoke about in a vision and a dream. He cut a covenant with Abraham. We know how important the covenants are. They're, they're, they never change. We just add, we just add to the church age, adds to the covenants. That's how important they are. But he did that in a dream, for goodness sakes. You know what I'm saying? And then if we go into the New Testament, what about our Savior? Would he ever even died on the cross had not his father listened to the dreams? And You know, we know God would have made a way. But his, his stepdad, Joseph, received all the dreams that took him away, back, away, back, and just protected him, protected our Messiah in, a, in dreams. You know, we know angels came, but these things happened to dreams. So it just shows us the importance of, you know, how God is speaking in dreams. He wants us to listen to our dreams. 
Um, let me see if I missed anything. So I talked about he, how he designed our body. So he has us as a captive audience. And, but then it's our responsibility to pay attention and write them down. Not all of the dreams that you have are from God, please. <laughs> I know. You know some of those crazy, wacko ones that you can even hardly write down? You don't even have to worry about those. But the ones that, you know, and even sometimes, even after 20 years, sometimes I'll awaken to a dream and I'll go, that is just so weird. But then when I remember my own rule and tool that I tell everybody, they're exaggerated. Tone them way down. Then when I tone it way down, oh, it, oh, now it's starting to make sense to me. So I just want to give you a couple of, of scriptures that um, I think I have it in here. Oh, here it is. Here's just a few scriptures that um, God talks about. So um, one of our flagship scriptures, or the, is Proverbs 25.2, right? Where it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search it out. So don't just say, God will tell me. <laughs> you know, because sometimes he will, but sometimes he wants you to search it out. How do you do that? You pray about it. And then there's other tools. We do word studies. We look at the setting. All kinds of things like that. So Second Chronicles 28, 19 uh, talks about the Lord's hand was on me, giving me understanding. Um, the Song of Songs 5, 2. This is the voice of my beloved. And these are talking about the nighttime. Daniel 2.22 says he reveals deep and hidden things. Psalm 16.7, the Lord counsels me at night. My heart instructs me. I mean, does that mean it doesn't instruct you during the day? No, it just means that in your sleep, the Lord instructs you. And then Job 33.14.15, God sends dreams when we sleep. John sixteen thirteen, the Holy Spirit will tell you what is to, yet to come. And that is often in dreams. So I want to tell you, I want to tell on a couple of people that are here today. I'm going to tell their dreams. Uh, I'm going to because they gave me permission to put them in my book, so I'm assuming it's okay to tell them here. Right, Hank and <laughs> Mo. <laughs> Mo's like, what? <laughs> so Hank, I love his dream because the Dreamweavers used to meet at their house for our meetings when we first started. And Hank would come in from work and be like, those silly ladies are, you know, meeting for dreams. Well, then he, he was, uh, there was a, a job at, there was a promotion at his job that he really wanted. And he had to take a test first before he could apply for it. And he was studying the manual, but there was one chapter that he and the rest of the people that he worked with left out because they never tested on that chapter. And so he had a dream that night. And a voice spoke to him to read that chapter. So he, he, gets, he gets off the phone and calls his wife, who is out of town at a dream event. And he goes, what do I do? <laughs> She said, read the chapter, study the chapter. And he did, and he passed the test, and he got the promotion. 
And I'm thinking a lot of those other people didn't read that chapter. Yeah, give a clap. And Hank, stand up or wave. That's Hank. (laughs) And then, Mo, I wanted to tell on you too, okay? His was really short. He's going, which one? (laughs) So um, Mo Mo was at work with a, a couple of people from work. And his boss, I think who he called the head honcho, walked up and said, um, uh, Hey, Mo, um, I'm going to give you a promotion. I'm going to promote you to the mailroom. And he said he's thinking in the dream, that's no promotion. <laughs> but then um, he woke up. That was all the dream was. And we were able to talk about how the mailroom had to do with the prophetic And that God was promoting him to higher levels in the prophetic ministry. (laughs) All right, so thank you for listening to me. And I'll be signing the the book out in the lobby if you're interested. Um, Actually, there was one more thing I wanted to do. Is it okay if I pray over people for a minute? Absolutely. Okay, so um, anybody here who... When you were young, when you were a kid, you had nightmares, really bad ones, and so that you consciously or subconsciously just cut, them, cut off dreaming or paying attention to your dreams, and now you don't dream at all. Is there anyone here? Just raise your hand. See? Okay. Okay. So I just want to pray for you guys right now, okay? So, so Father our God, I just pray for these people who have just raised their hand. And you know who they are. You know what they went through when they were young, how the enemies sought to torment them, steal their dream life because he knew what a destiny that they had. And so I just speak in the name of Jesus. You, you guys have to renounce that yourselves, just within yourself. We just renounce that and break that off of them right now in the name of Jesus, that they're... they're dreams would be restored. They will begin to have dreams. Well, we all have dreams, but begin to remember their dreams and be impacted by their dreams. Thank you, Lord. Just restore, restore, restore in the name of Jesus. And I just want to pray for everybody else that that wants to. How many of you are interested in knowing what God is speaking to you in your dreams? Would you just raise your hand? Okay. Okay, so I just want to pray for you right now, just an impartation for dream interpretation. First of all, Father, I pray that they begin to remember their dreams. Remember them, remember them, recall them, recall them when they wake up. The ones that aren't from you, that's okay, but the ones that are from you, that they begin to recall their dreams when they awaken. And I just want, I just want to give... Just pass over to you an impartation of what I carry and even beyond what I carry. Right now, in the name of Jesus, that they were dream and dream and dream, remember their dreams, interpret their dreams, and walk out their dreams. Thank you, Father. Just right now, just fall on us. Just fall on us with your spirit. To just receive that impartation. And just the knowledge that he is speaking to you. He is speaking to you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord.
We're going to hear a lot of testimonies. So I just want to give this book away to one of those people who had all the nightmares and you just don't remember your dreams anymore. Just, Christian, here you go. It is. He said that's the first time he's ever got a book like that. Well, thank you so much for listening to me and Ryan. Yes. So you can purchase it out in the foyer and she'll sign it for you. I could be mean and say she'll give a prophetic word in everyone. <laughs> but she doesn't need to do that. Her book is full of prophetic. And uh, so you, want, you don't want to miss that. We purposely, I had her purposely take some time because it really is important. That dreams are really important because God does speak into them a lot. I challenge you to read your Bible. You'll find that he speaks in dreams a lot. And you'll probably just start noticing it now because you're aware of it. You're a reticular activator getting set off for dreams now. So we're, I'm excited. It's kind of fun what I'm speaking on today. And don't worry, I'm not going to speak long at all. Um, for one, I got to go finish cooking the food for our lunch today, so <laughs> so it won't be long. But it was kind of fun. I started working on this message, and and uh, and the title of the message was "A Man That Was Changed by a Dream." And then I realized after a few hours of studying, I realized, oh yeah, we're doing Phyllis's book thing today. So I was like, okay. You know, sometimes it's, it's those that are trying to figure out what to talk about. It really helps when those things happen. Because you're like, oh, okay, I'm on the right track. <laughs> Woo! Because I've had it where I've spent many, many hours on something, and then I finally listen to the Holy Spirit, and he's like, what are you doing? Because that's not what I'm going to have you talk on. You just wasted a half a day on, on that. So it's good when you get those little nuggets to go with you. Um, but if you have your Bibles, turn it to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. You know, we're officially in Christmas season. Last night, uh, my family and a bunch of people, we went out to the winner's uh, tractor parade, Christmas tractor parade. How many of you guys went? How many were there last night? That was so cool. If you've never been, it is amazing. It was about 40 tractors or so decorated. There was uh, forklifts with reindeer on it. There was big, like, probably 15, 20 foot high flames coming out of one. It was a blast. It it was a lot of fun. It's this little town, but man, it was packed full of people. It was so much fun, but it's Christmas season. How many are glad we're in Christmas season? It is, it is my favorite time of the year. For one, it gets foggy. So I love that. But you know, we take a time, we decorate our house. We, you know, we, the hardest part is trying to figure out what to buy our kids for presents or figuring out if they're worth buying presents for. You know, I remember when they were really little, you know, one, two years old, Des was like, what are we going to buy the kids? I'm like, just get them a box. <laughs> they have no idea. They don't, they have no idea. I'm like, go to the dollar store and get them a bunch of dollars. Because all they really enjoy is just opening the presents and having a box. They don't know you only spent a dollar on it. And I, I parents... Your kids don't need a lot of money spent on them. 
Just don't go into debt over Christmas. Don't do, go to the dollar store. Buy them 20. They can open 20. They'll have 20 gifts for 20 bucks under the tree. They'll be like, wow, I got 20 gifts. I'm telling you. That's really it. it yeah. All right. I'm going to get, I'm going to, I'm going to move on. I don't want to say something I shouldn't. But I, I'm telling you, your kids don't need a lot of money spent on them. They just, they just want to spend time with you and feel loved by you. So make them something. I don't know. And then when they're teenagers, purposely make them something they don't like. <laughs> Payback. <laughs> My kids are back there. Hello. Yeah, you're not getting much this year for Christmas. You wore out my resources all year long, so. No, they're great. I think we can re-gift something from last year. I don't know. But, but in the Christmas story, you know, we have, there's a lot of characters in the Christmas story. You know, we got Mary. You know, an angel shows up and tells this girl, hey, you're going to get pregnant. And you're going to get pregnant by the Holy Spirit, but you need to be okay with this. It's going to be all right. And so she has this amazing encounter with an angel. And, and obviously we know the story. She said, okay, I'm, I'm up for it. And obviously Jesus is the main character of the Christmas story, right? Yes? Yes? Yeah? Okay, good. Just making sure I'm in the right place. And then you got the shepherds, you know, these... These guys are out in the field, watching over their sheep, minding their own business, and then this angel shows up out in the middle of nowhere, which is quite, would be quite startling. But then he proceeds to have the sky filled with angels and a light show, and they start singing. So you got these freaked out shepherds trying to mind their own business, do their job, and they get surprised. They get the announcement that Jesus is there, and they come, and they get to go worship Jesus when he's born. It's quite interesting. They're the only ones that knew what was going on. And that was because the sky lit up with angels. And then you had the wise men who saw a star in the sky and went, oh, the Messiah is born. Let's go find him. And they go on a journey to find Jesus and be able to worship him. Um, On December 26th, the day after Christmas... We are, our service is going to be an online only service, just so you know, be online only, but I'm going to talk about the wise men and the importance of them and what they did was quite amazing because they're at least recorded. They're the only ones that saw the star. Not that they could, they're the only ones that saw it, but they actually realized something was going on. So they were the only ones that actually noticed it. It was there. They were the only ones. So I'm going to talk about that on the 26th. So you don't want to miss that. That'll be online only. So you can be in your pajamas with your hot chocolate, your family around you, Christmas leftovers. Yeah. But this morning, I want to talk about the character that doesn't get talked about much because he's a dad. And they typically don't get talked about much because we know mothers are more important. I thought I would get more response from the, at least the mothers in the crowd. The mothers are more important. You're getting there. I know it's not Mother's Day, so you weren't prepared to, you know, celebrate yourself, you know. 
But I want to talk about Joseph. And uh, he, was, he was engaged to be married to, to Mary. And life is good. It was probably, he was on the way. He was on his plan for his life. Find a good-looking girl, get engaged, and now he's going to get married. And then he finds out she's pregnant. And he's trying to figure out what to do. And he decides to, to figure out how, okay, how, how do I deal with this? What do I do? And so we're going to pick up the story here in verse 18. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce divorce her quietly. So his plan, he had a plan. It says he's some other, how they interpret that, is basically they're saying he was a really good guy. He was a good man. And what he wanted to do was divorce her in a quiet manner, in a way that put the least spotlight on her. Which he had a choice. He could have made it very public, could have disgraced her publicly, and could have made her life miserable. But he was looking for how to do it in a way that it didn't do that. So he was a good man. But it says he he's, was looking to the law. In verse 20, it says, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When, G- when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. So he wanted to deal with this the right way. But something he doesn't do, he searched the law to find out how to do it, which isn't bad. But he never asked the Lord what to do. If you notice here, he never inquires of the Lord, what do I do with this? And what I want to just quickly talk about today is how are we making decisions? See, we have things that come up in our life all the time that we already know the answer to how to solve them, right? Happens all the time. And this was a situation for Joseph. He, he had the answer already for him. If this is what happens to the person you're engaged to, they get pregnant, this is how you deal with it. Not that that way was wrong, but he didn't ask God what to do first. See, what would have happened if Joseph would have said, God, what do I do with my fiance that's pregnant? But instead, he had to wait, God had to wait until he was asleep in a dream to give him a dream. He had to wait until he couldn't think for himself. He had to cut that out. 
God was like, you're not getting this. And it says, you know, an angel came into a dream. Luckily, it was a pretty straightforward dream. He didn't have to interpret it because Phyllis's book wasn't written yet. So, you know, he might have had some trouble interpreting. So the angel was pretty straightforward. But for us, how many times do we just go with the status quo answer? Where we go with the wisdom of the earth. Which is okay. Like, I'm not... Okay, please don't hear what I'm not saying. Don't get weird and never make a decision unless God sends an angel to you in a dream. It's not what I'm saying. But there is wisdom that God has given us through people and, and even in the, in the word, there's wisdom. But I think too many times we cut him out of the, that decision. We don't go to him first and say, God, how, how do I handle this situation? Because there's already been a pathway for it. Oh, this is the formula. This is the formula. You have this problem, you follow this formula, and it's solved. But this wasn't the case here. There was another solution to Joseph's problem. And he didn't know that solution because he hadn't asked God. So in this season, I think Joseph is a good lesson for us. To do we go to the Holy Spirit first? Even in the things that we know typically how to solve something. Do we go to the Holy Spirit first? And I know this can get weird. I've known enough people that take this and get really weird with it where they stand in front of their closet and say, God, do I wear this shirt today? And if they don't hear an answer, they stand there for hours and hours and hours. Trust me, we've had those type of people in my life, and I'm not saying that. It is a good tool to learn how to hear God's voice. But if you don't hear anything, if I go to the closet and say, God, what am I to wear today, and I don't hear anything, it probably means he's just giving me permission to wear whatever I want. (laughs) You know, it doesn't mean stand there for hours. But if he says, hey, wear that, then I'm like, great, that's what I'm wearing today. But it trains us to actually ask him first. And he's going to solve some problems for us if we ask him first. Because if Joseph went with his plan, it wasn't going to go very well. He wasn't going to get the result he wanted. We don't know what the result was because Jesus interrupted him in a dream and he followed it. But he thought he was on the right path. The right decision. This is how you make the decision. This is how you treat somebody honorably in this situation. But it actually wasn't the right answer. And it wasn't until God interrupted him. I'm trying to live my life to where God doesn't have to interrupt me in my decision making. Because I've actually gone to him first. Obviously he has complete capability of interrupting me at any point he wants. And that freedom. But I'd rather get it right the first time. Wouldn't you? Yes. So we learn from Joseph. Just because it seems to be the right way of dealing with something. It might not be the way God wants us to deal with it. But to, to Joseph's credit. He listened to the dream. See God spoke to Joseph in a lot of dreams. Like Phyllis was saying earlier. 
I thought she was going to steal my whole message. <laughs> but, it, you know, it, it shows in Scripture at least three times that God spoke to Joseph in a dream. Now, I don't know if it's because Joseph just was too hard-headed to listen to him during the day, or that just was the way he did it. But we know he, he what we just read, he spoke to him about Mary, and then when the wise men came and worshipped Jesus, he spoke to him again in a dream to leave Bethlehem because Herod was going to kill all the kids, got him out, and then when he was in Egypt, gave him a dream again, the angel came into him a dream, and told him to come back to Israel because it was safe now. And then he actually, had, I think, and this is where, I don't know, it could be the same dream or it's to some translation, do it both ways. But then he also was warned where to go in Israel, in which that's how he ended up in Galilee. But dreams are really important. And in this dream, I got two minutes. I'm going to wrap this up in two minutes. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. If I can just find it in my notes. But in this dream, the angel gave Joseph the plan. He didn't only just say, hey, your plan sucks, and it's not going to work here. But he actually gave the how to do it. And first, he says, take Mary as your wife. So do the opposite of what you're going to do. Then he gives, says, hey, the pregnancy is from the Holy Spirit. Which I think I might have needed two or three dreams to confirm that one. <laughs> but to Joseph's credit, he, he understood it in one dream. And the next thing is, she was going to give a birth to a son. And by the way, the son is going to be the savior of the world and you have to raise him. I think we kind of skip over that part a little bit. But Joseph, he's, the angel's telling Joseph, not only is your fiance is going to give birth to something that came about because of the Holy Spirit, which has never happened in all of history, but he's going to be the savior of the world, and you get to raise him. You get to figure it out. I think that's probably one of the most terrifying things in Scripture is you have to be responsible for the Son of God. Because I think we forget Jesus was actually a baby. And all those fathers out there, and mothers, anybody that's had to deal with a child, you have to do a lot for them. Jesus wasn't one of those miracle babies that knew how to do everything for himself. So he had to father him. He had to be responsible for him. That's why they were freaking out when they were on their trip and, he, and Jesus stayed in Jerusalem and they weren't with him anymore. Because he was responsible for the Son of God. How do you lose the Son of God? <laughs> Remember, at this point, New Testament did not happen. The consequences a lot of times in the Old Testament were a little bit more severe. And now he's lost the Son of God. (laughs) I I, I don't think we give Joseph enough credit here. He's not mentioned really much more in the Bible. I wish I knew a lot more about him because he seems like a man that understood 
how to listen to God. He had a little rough start, but then he started listening. And, and the thing I love about him is as soon as he would hear from God, he would instantly respond and be obedient. He learned how to hear God, but then he also learned how to obey. And because of that, he became the father that raised Jesus. Because he was willing to listen and obey. So as we wrap this year up, are we going to be people that will listen and obey? Will we go to the Holy Spirit first with our solutions instead of waiting until we can't figure out how to do something and then we go to the Holy Spirit? Let's start going to him first. Not last when we have no other options. So why don't you stand with me if the band is here. Come on up. But Christmas is an amazing time because we get to celebrate him. And it really is about worshiping him. Ramon agrees with me, I guess. But it really is a time to worship him. You know, the, the shepherds, one of really the only Israelites to know that the Savior had been born, came and worshiped. And then the wise men came and worshiped him. This is our season to remember. It really is about worshiping him. Not that we only worship him in this season, but it's a good reminder. So I was kind of to finish out today as a, Hey, God, we're going to make it about you. We're going to ask you first. And we're going to be obedient to you. We're going to sing this song that we sang earlier this morning. Oh, come, let us adore him together. As we kind of just let the Holy Spirit talk to us right now on, on what he wants to do with us today. So I'm going to let them sing so that your ears don't hurt this morning. But let's just worship him for one couple minutes.